Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome, everyone, to Inside Sources today on KSL News Radio. It is great to be with you as always. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And as always, we got a lot of ground to cover on the fastest 60 minutes of radio as we attempt to slow three things down for you, help you divide the rage from the reason. And there's so much of that going on today. We're going to try to elevate the conversation. Connect the dots for you and help you make the news make sense uh, on a very busy day locally and nationally. And uh, just so many things uh, to get into. Uh, The Democratic National Convention continues to roll on. Day two was last night. Uh, Some interesting speeches. We're going to break those down uh, more momentarily. And uh, and then we're going to get to some really interesting things uh, today. We're going to talk about a a new book that's out. Uh, It's called Broken America. Uh, some great insight in terms of the founding principles that will actually help restore the nation. So we'll be uh, having a, a conversation around that today as well. Uh, Lois Collins from the Deseret News is going to join us at 1135. You don't want to miss this. Uh, she wrote a column today that is so powerful, so personally authentic and revealing uh, about uh, COVID-19 impact on her family. Uh, it's a story you do not want to miss. So make sure you've got the uh, KSL News Radio app on your phone or on your digital device so you can either listen to us live or go back and get the podcast at the end of the show. Uh, so again, Lois Collins joining us at 1135 today for some really great conversation that I'm I'm really looking forward to. Uh, we'll also do a little preview. We'll look forward into what to expect in night number three of the Democratic National Convention. This is the night that uh, Senator Kamala Harris will accept the vice presidential nomination from her party. Uh, It is a jam-packed lineup tonight uh, with everyone from former President Barack Obama. Nancy Pelosi will weigh in. uh, Hillary Clinton will make an appearance. And so it's going to be a big night, uh, probably the biggest night yet. And it will be interesting to see uh, how they're able to navigate that and uh, really move everything through. But first, it is August 19th. And everyone knows what that means. It's my birthday today. Now, it's not my birthday. Uh, It's McKay Matheson's birthday today. And this is a special. He loves to do a little quirky on the music. So uh, we have a kazoo version of Happy Birthday. So good. Uh, McKay's one of those extraordinary souls and uh, just doing some extraordinary things. So a big happy birthday to McKay Matheson. Also some other good friends today. This is a a day of 
very important births. Catherine, Lou, Mark, uh, all happy birthdays today. And uh, just some great folks who've made a tremendous impact in uh, our neighborhood and community and upon me personally. So happy birthday to all you, especially to McKay uh, in the Matheson household. Uh, Big congratulations there. All right, now let's get into it with uh, day number two, uh, checking out uh, the Democratic National Convention. And so let's let's dive in a little bit. Uh, Of course, there was a lot of controversy going on. Uh, about uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez uh, being slightly offended that she only got 60 seconds on the clock. She actually took 90, so uh, she bargained her way forward a little bit. Uh, and so let's let's hit just a, uh, a little bit of this. I may even have you f- go forward just a little bit, Kellyanne. Uh, just give us about the last 30 seconds there. Uh, so she was uh, talking through. She went through some of the things you would expect uh, her to do. Uh, of course, some uh, shots at the president there. Uh, but the way she ended uh, was really quite fascinating uh, and a little surprising. Uh, here's how uh, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez finished up her 90-second moment at the Democratic National Convention. At the expense of long-term stability for the many and who organized a historic grassroots campaign to reclaim our democracy in a time when millions of people in the United States are looking for deep, systemic solutions to our crises of mass evictions, unemployment, and lack of health care, in el espíritu del pueblo, and out of a love for all people, I hereby second the nomination of Senator Bernard Sanders of Vermont for President of the United States of America. What? <laughs> I think she went to the wrong convention. She just seconded the nomination of Bernie Sanders. Uh, now, that's going to score her points with her political base and the uh, extreme wing of the Democratic Party, the Bernie Sanders wing of the party. Uh, she'll score some points there. And and so here's what you have to ask yourself. To what end? To what end did she do that? Uh, would she have done that if it, she had been standing in front of uh, fifteen or 20,000 delegates uh, and uh, folks uh, in a big auditorium or in a big uh, convention center. Uh, She might have been booed off the stage, and that would have had a very different impact. So this is one of those things where uh, I hadn't really thought this through, but this is an area where she actually had the advantage uh, being on sort of a Zoom meeting kind of uh, process last night is that she was able to deliver that without consequence to her uh, detractors but of great benefit to her supporters. Uh, So that's an interesting thing. If you know you're going to deliver a line that maybe the establishment of your party isn't going to like, much easier to deliver that from a secure, undisclosed location by video than it is to stand in front of a big hall and potentially get booed off the stage. We've seen that movie. So so that's a fascinating one to me last night. Uh, Again, uh, not surprising that she did something to sort of thumb her nose at the establishment of the party uh, and give a tip of the hat to the uh, extreme left wing of the party. So kind of interesting there. Uh, let's jump now to uh, former President Bill Clinton. This is really tough. Remember, this is the man who uh, holds the record for the uh, longest nomination speech in Democratic Convention history. Uh, almost almost torpedoed his career. Uh, people were so angry when he did a nomination speech and went on, I think, for 40-something minutes. It was just a long, long thing. Anyway, he only had about five minutes yesterday, 
Uh, and and he does something really well. I was just talking with uh, Debbie Dejanovic uh, as we uh, we always do this interesting little uh, transition as she moves out of the seat and sanitizes while I move in and we rearrange our stuff. Uh, she she was commenting on that and I and I said you know uh, his speech at the 2016 convention he did probably the best speech of his life in really personalizing and humanizing Hillary Clinton. He did a fabulous job. Uh, last night, it just didn't seem like there was a lot of juice in the tank, um, and uh, it was a little bit surfacey. just wasn't like vintage Bill Clinton, but let's take a quick listen. A presidential election is the world's most important job interview. At the end, we hire a leader to help us solve problems, create opportunities, and give our kids better tomorrows. That's a tall order this year. With the COVID-19 outbreak on a path to killing 200,000 people and destroying millions of jobs and small businesses. How did Donald Trump respond? At first, he said the virus was under control and would soon disappear. When it didn't, he was on TV every day bragging on what a great job he was doing, while our scientists waited to give us vital information. When he didn't like the expert advice he was given, he ignored it. Only when COVID exploded in even more states did he encourage people to wear masks. By then, many more were dying. When asked about the surge in deaths, he shrugged and said, it is what it is. But did it have to be this way? No. COVID hit us much harder than it had to. Our party is united in offering you a very different choice. A go-to-work president. A down-to-earth, get-the-job-done guy. A man with a mission to take responsibility, not shift the blame. Concentrate, not distract. Unite, not divide. Our choice is Joe Biden. All right, former President Bill Clinton uh, giving his five-minute speech uh, last night. Uh, again, just tough. Uh, I think uh, obviously his uh, his voice and energy are struggling even harder. You know, doing that uh, without an audience to give you that energy back, uh, which is so important in that kind of presentation. But he laid out a good case uh, for Joe Biden, and I think the 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 line that I like the most out of that is. Uh, a presidential election is the most important job interview. And I love that. And I agree with President Clinton that it is the most important job interview because it is we the people who hire the leader. Hire a leader to help us solve problems, create opportunities, give our kids better tomorrow. I thought that was uh, really the best line of, of his speech there. And I think it is also a great call. And again, I don't care if you were watching last night with great interest, if you were disinterested and not watching, uh, doesn't matter. Those are great lines from a former president who actually knows what that job interview looks and feels like. And I would hope that all of us, as we the people, as voters, would actually treat every election like a serious job interview. And that starts by understanding what is the job to be done. Sometimes I think we've lost sight of what we need to expect out of our leaders. We do not, we do not hire leaders for good times. We hire leaders for the challenging times, for the tough decisions, for the difficult situations. And I think a lot of our politics and our internet world and social media has gotten us so far away of what this job interview should be and what it's about uh, that all we're really doing is is looking at the shiny objects and who has the shiniest and best uh, and that's not what our election should really be about. So actually some wise counsel there last night from former President Bill Clinton. Again, regardless of what you think about him or his presidency or his party, uh, those are principles that matter. So we're going to talk about those and uh, we're hopefully all of us are going to apply those.
All right, we're going to step aside. When we come back, we're going to talk about Broken America, a new book out by Jim White. Some great principles in there. Find out what they are next. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson. And unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.